0: I'm Kelly. I'm Pastor John's wife. Welcome. (laughs) Hello. Welcome to those of you joining us for the first time. Um, As Trish said, John and a couple others from our congregation joined one of our Every Nation mission teams this week in Baja, Mexico. So John sends his greetings from south of the border. Um, And I'm excited they'll be back next week. So I'm excited to hear that full report. I know I have talked to him briefly here and there. He did say they've already had over 100 people give their life to Jesus this week. So yes, that's very exciting. And I'm sure he will give us a full report when he gets back next week. So we're gonna do things a little differently this morning. Um, We have been reading through the book of Philippians this summer as a church family. And so we're gonna continue with that text. I'm gonna read the portion of scripture that we're on and share a couple thoughts. But then as Judah alluded to at the beginning, we're gonna have the worship team come back up and close us with some extended worship time. So I, for one, am excited about that. Um, We love having the grace team with us here today. We're thankful for them. So good job, guys. Um, So that's a little bit what we're gonna do. So if everybody will pull out their Bible or their preferred device, and we're going to be reading in the book of Philippians, Philippians 3. Philippians is in the New Testament, the latter third of your Bible there. If you're looking for it, if you don't have a Bible this morning, you can follow along on the screen. Um, and just while I give everybody a second to get there, wanted to give a little background information on the book that we're going through for those of you who may be joining us for the first time. So Philippians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi and he wrote the letter while he was imprisoned in Rome. So he's writing this from um, being under arrest. He's writing it to a church that he actually helped start on one of his earlier missionary journeys. So it's people who are very close and dear to his heart. He cannot visit them personally, but he's sending this letter. Um, And you can read that whole story about how that church started in Acts, which it's, a great story to read and philippi Philippi was actually one of the first places that the gospel was preached in europe so that's a fun fact Um, it's in the macedonia region kind of north along the mediterranean there and uh, philippi is in what would be modern day greece So just a little bit, so you can picture in your mind, Paul's writing from Rome. He's writing to this church that would be in that modern-day Greece area. Um, And John took us up through the end of chapter 2 last week. So we're going to be beginning in chapter 3. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 11, if you want to follow along with me. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I love Paul's sarcasm here. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, I'm blameless. But, Paul says, so he's listing his accolades there. But, he says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word this morning and the truth. Lord, we believe your word. We believe it is the truth of God for our lives. Lord God, and so we want to anchor ourselves in it. So, Father, I just pray that you would help me uh, to speak clearly this morning. Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us as a body, and Lord, that you would also speak to each individual person. Father, you know what each person carried in this morning, what they're going through. Holy Spirit, I pray you would meet them where they are with your word and your encouragement this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so just briefly want to share a couple thoughts about this passage. I want to draw your attention before we jump into kind of the meat of what Paul's saying here to this first little verse, verse one, that says, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, That word joy or rejoicing is actually found in this little book, this little letter of Philippians, almost 20 times. So joy is definitely a theme in the book of Philippians. And what I love about this is that, as I mentioned earlier, Paul's writing this from a place of imprisonment. And for those of you who know the story, he's writing to a church that was birthed out of a prison cell. So he, um, in Acts, when this church is started in Philippi, Paul is actually arrested for preaching the gospel there. And he and his coworker, Silas, are thrown into prison in Philippi. And it says, scripture says that in the midnight hour in their prison cell, they began doing exactly this, rejoicing in the Lord. So they began singing praises to God. And an earthquake came as a result of it, shook the foundation of the prison. The doors flew open. Every prisoner's chains were broken. And long story short, the jailer and his entire family were saved and baptized that night as a result of Paul and Silas rejoicing in the Lord in the midst of their pain and misfortune. Um, So I think it is... Uh, say the fact that Paul started this church from a prison cell and is now writing to them from another one and is still encouraging them to rejoice in the Lord I think it's safe to say that the joy he's talking about comes irregardless of circumstance so I just want to encourage you guys this morning that short little verse to be encouraged that there is a joy you can find in Jesus that comes irregardless of your circumstance so we're going to hit on that a little later, but just wanted to point that out. And so now jumping into kind of the meat of what Paul's saying here, I feel like this passage really is uh, the essence of the gospel. Uh, just to give you a little bit of history, the group that Paul's calling out here at the beginning, he calls them dogs and evildoers. I love it. He's not, he doesn't pull any punches. Um, it's a group of Jewish Christians, or Judaizers, they were sometimes called, who were telling the Gentile believers that they had to adhere to The Jewish law to be saved. So it was the, they were telling people who were coming to faith outside of the Jewish tradition that, yes, it's Jesus, but also you got to do all these things. Um, And specifically here, Paul mentions circumcision. He calls out circumcision. That was one of the sticking points. Um, They wanted all those coming to faith to also be circumcised. So that, I don't know if you notice his play on words here, he calls the mutilators of the flesh. And what he's drawing a contrast here, he says, no, no, the true circumcision is those who've been cut in the heart, those who've been changed inwardly. It's not about this outward, these outward things we do, but it is the true circumcision are those who have the spirit of God who have changed the inside of what they're doing. So he is kind of drawing that contrast here. And I know, thankfully, we have moved past the debate of circumcision to be saved. Um, So we, but that mindset is still prevalent today, the mindset of the works that we do, earning us salvation or earning us favor uh, with God. And so, you know, if you ask, like, Joe Schmo on the street what it means to be a Christian, I'm sure you get a variety of answers, but um, you'd probably hear over and over again people saying things like, well, it's people who try to be good Good per- people, or it's a list—people who try to live up to God's standard, or it's this list of do's and don'ts that you have to do, mostly don'ts that you have to not do. Um, and you know, it's maybe this vengeful God who is just waiting to zap you when you mess up. Um, and so you kind of hear that it's—it's it's a even when you ask people, you know, what they think they have to do to go to heaven, a lot of people will say, "Well, I tried to be a good person," or "At the end of my life, I hope that my good deeds outweigh my bad." Right? So you hear that sometimes. So it's a misconception that the world has. It's also a misconception that the church a lot of times has. And so uh, that is the falsity that Paul is coming against here. That uh, idea that it's Jesus plus this list of things that I have to do. Um, And maybe... We would not phrase it that way necessarily in your own life, but I know I've seen this in mine. If you can kind of see the subtle outworkings of that belief, um, if you're somebody who maybe feels confident to come to God when you know you've done all the right things, maybe you read your Bible every day this week or you didn't lose your temper with your kids or whatever you think this standard is, you you came to church this morning, so you're feeling pretty good about yourself and you can feel confident in approaching God. Or on the other hand, maybe you're feeling lousy and full of shame knowing you messed up um, and you feel ashamed to approach God when you know you haven't lived up to some standard that is, you know, that you've made in your mind. So that is kind of the same confidence in the flesh that Paul's talking about here. That's a confidence in what we can do or not do. Um, So that's kind of the, and just as an aside, um, obedience to God is important. I'm not saying that. Just another sermon for another day, but um, we do want to follow the Spirit's leading in our life, and obedience is important, but it is not out of a place of earning the favor of God. It is now from a place of gratefulness and gratitude to what Jesus has done. So that's another uh, another topic for another day, but I want to focus here on what Paul's coming against, this falsity that it's Jesus plus something, that it's Jesus plus circumcision, that it's Jesus plus obeying the Mosaic law, um, that it's Jesus plus fill in the blank, um, because here is the true essence of the gospel my salvation and my right standing with god is not based on me it's not based on my obedience it's not based on my faithfulness it is based on the faithfulness of jesus it is based on his obedience it is based on his righteousness And that is good news for everyone. That is good news for the perfectionist, the rule follower. How many rule followers do I have? That's me. Thank you, Trish. Yes, who tries to be good and do everything right. That is good news for us. That is good news that we can lay down that striving. And that is good news for the prodigal. The prodigal who knows they've messed up. Who knows they don't measure up. Who knows they're far from God, right? So um, when we come to the cross, we're all on level playing ground. At the foot of the cross, and we're all in desperate need of Jesus. So Paul goes on here um, to. You know, like he's using this sarcasm, this tongue-in-cheek to list kind of all his own accolades. You know, he says, if anybody has reason to have confidence in the flesh, I do. Um, But I love how Jesus always flips everything on its head. Like when Paul says, when he met Jesus, my whole method of accounting changed. So everything that, you know, you got your debit and your credit columns here. Everything that was in his credit column, everything that was in his gain, his power, his prestige, his obedience. He says, I now count as loss and he says everything the crucified messiah who to the world looked foolish and looked like a loss he says now is my greatest gain so all my self-righteousness all of our self-righteousness we can count as rubbish we count as loss compared to the greatness he says of knowing jesus and the righteousness of jesus is now our greatest gain Um, And so I just want to encourage us today. Like I said, that is good news for all of us. No matter where we're coming from, we can lay down our striving. We can lay down our self-preservation, our self-saving techniques that we use, our self-righteousness, our trust in our own obedience. And likewise, we can lay down all of our failure and all of our weakness and all of our shame we can lay it all down at the foot of Jesus this morning and we can together take up the righteousness of God that is in Christ Jesus. I want to close before the worship team comes back up here by reading some words to an old hymn. Um, This is written by Isaac Watts like the turn of the 18th century. And he penned, he's a, one of the great hymn writers in church history. He penned the lyrics to Joy to the World. So I thought most of you may be familiar with that Christmas song. And so this has been one of my favorite hymns forever. But when I read this passage of scripture, it's just, it's so beautifully encapsulates what Paul is saying here. And so I wanted to read it kind of as a prayer or a declaration over us. Um, I'm a poet at heart. So if it can be said in verse, then so be it. So be it. So I am going to read the words to this hymn over you guys, and then I will pray and we'll have the worship team come back up. Um, This is called I Boast No More. No more, my God, I boast no more of all the duties I have done. I quit the hopes I held before to trust the merits of thy son. Now for the loss, I bear his name. What was my gain, I count my loss. My former pride, I call my shame and nail my glory to his cross. Yes, and I must, I will esteem all things but loss for Jesus' sake. May my soul be found in him and of his righteousness partake. The best obedience of my hands, the best I could do dares not appear before his throne. But faith can answer thy demands by pleading what my Lord has done. No more, my God. No more, my God. I boast no more. See, the beautiful thing is that Jesus did all the work for us. And for those of you who trust God for salvation, he takes that lifelong record of obedience of Jesus. And he imputes that on you so that you stand before him as righteous and not guilty and holy and blameless before him. And you are starting from a place of victory if you are in Jesus this morning. Um, And so for those of you who maybe have not made that decision, today is a great day to do it, to lay down your own self-sufficiency and to take up the all-sufficient one, the righteousness of Jesus. So um, the worship team can start to make their way back up here. I just want to give us a couple focuses moving into our worship time. Just want us to take like one of two focuses in. One being maybe um, like this hymn says, a chance to lay down our own self-sufficiency and to boast in the goodness of God, to boast in what he's done, to boast in his love. So maybe that's an attitude you can carry into worship today, boasting in the greatness of God. Um, and on the other hand, maybe that first, very first verse stuck out to you when Paul is exhorting them from a prison cell to rejoice in the Lord. Um, maybe you came in here this morning in the midst of a painful circumstance or what maybe feels like a prison around you. And so I just want to exhort you like Paul did to lift your eyes off of that circumstance and to rejoice in the Lord this morning to rejoice even before you've seen your answer or before you've had your breakthrough or before you have seen your healing. Rejoice like Paul did in the midst of that prison cell. Rejoice in the Lord this morning. And that is an attitude you can take into worship. Watch the spirit of God shake the foundation. Whether he changes your circumstance or changes your perspective, he always shows up and it's worth it to rejoice in the midst of whatever you're going through. Um, So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free from our own striving, that sets us free from our own self-righteousness, our own self-preservation. God, we make lousy saviors. We make lousy saviors. Lord, we recognize that we cannot save ourselves this morning, and we quit the hopes we've held before, and we put our full hope in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this opportunity um, to boast together as a family in your great love. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for doing the work for us. We thank you that our work is just to believe in the one who was sent. And Father, we do thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for paying the ultimate sacrifice for us. And we just boast together as a family today in your great love for us. In Jesus' name, be glorified in our praises. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.